0: Welcome to Thinking Like a Lawyer, with your hosts, Ellie Mistal and Joe Patrice, talking about legal news and pop culture, all while thinking like a lawyer, here on Legal Talk Network. Hello,
1: welcome to another edition of Thinking Like a Lawyer. I am Joe Patrice from Above the Law. With me is Ellie Mistal.
2: I'm in so much trouble.
1: Uh-oh. What'd you do? I'm, I mean, I actually think I know what you did, but I'm like, th- this, is, this is how the sausage is made here, folks. I actually know what he's going to say, but I'm feigning interest, <laughs> like I need to hear it again. Go on.
2: I'm lucky to be alive, I suppose. Yes. Because I almost set my house on fire. Yeah, you did. So... Um, uh, regular listeners uh, who've listened to this all the way through might know that I do have a bit of a smoking habit um, I'm about half a pack a day smoker I had actually quit for for quite a few years and I started again um, on election night 2016 I uh, was when I started again so I'm at a half pack I'm not advocating it don't smoke is terrible for you you're gonna die anyway so I'm at home and earlier in the summer uh, earlier in the fall I mean uh, my outside ashtray kind of blew over it broke itself and whatever. Instead of replacing it, I was just kind of like, ah, it's going to be the winter. In the spring, I'm going to need to buy new patio furniture for various reasons. I was like, I'll just get another ashtray then. so over the winter, I have been – and when you know where this is going, this sounds so incredibly stupid. I've been ashing in like a little hollow under my stoop. Mm -hmm. So two days ago, Tuesday afternoon, I threw my cigarette butt down in a little hollow, went back inside – for about half an hour until I noticed, you know, the smell of burning plastic. Because the obviously some leaves had gotten in the hollow and they caught on fire, and then that caught on my plastic trash bin, which then started off a trash fire. And of course, if you live in the suburbs, you know you're supposed to turn off your hose water um, during the winter so your pipes don't freeze. So I had no water outside. So I'm like running in and out from the house. So I finally kind of I, I depressed the blaze. Um, but the trash can and the hollow, they're all close to the side of my house. So the side of my house was smoldering. So I had to actually call the fire department to make sure that I didn't burn the house down. Paul's graph takes only. Um, And it was just, it was, and of course, like it was fine. But then, you know, like the fire chief is like, just looking at, you know, the cigarette butts and is just like, I I think you know what your problem is, right? And I'm like, yes, sir. Uh, It was just, and, and then like, I had this like, Hours because it's middle of the afternoon. I work from home, right? Most days, I have these hours waiting for my wife to come home. Which, yeah, I mean, it felt like I was like eight, and I like broke mom's china cabinet. Like just these hours of just like, what is my wife going to say when she gets home and sees that I've almost burned the house down? What'd you say? She wasn't happy. She wasn't well. The, she did okay. have the she had the classic text after I I told her over text because I'm a responsible adult, um, and her text back to me after that whole story was i'll buy a new trash can off of amazon when i get home (laughs) yeah
1: oh so that was that was the i'm not mad i'm just disappointed right yeah that's fair um but yeah to be alive yeah well smoking is something you shouldn't be doing but it's one of those things that occasionally you do and you step away from your desk to go smoke and when you step away from your desk you can miss calls are you missing calls are you spread too thin? Interruptions kill your productivity, but clients demand a quick response. The U.S.-based professional receptionist at Smith AI help law firms screen new clients and schedule appointments by phone and website chat. Plus, Smith AI integrates with your software, including Clio and LawPay. Plans start at just $60 a month. Get a free trial at Smith.ai.
2: That was the best one ever. Thanks. I, I didn't even see that coming. Thanks. I thought that, uh, Yeah. No. I thought you were gonna make some joke about me like missing work while I was uh Well, you know, you know, when,
1: when I had that blank, glazed over look in my eye while you were telling story, it wasn't just that I was bored. I was I was already in the zone <laughs> waiting for the moment where I could transition. Um, that was brilliant. I mean, yeah, thank you, thank you. This, this is what I this is what I live for.
2: So besides fire safety, uh what are we talking about today?
1: Well, we can talk about a lot of things. I I'm gonna segue um well, let's just talk about legal news of the week. Uh, I'm going to segue, given that we have, um, you you know, you're from a legal household, and, you know, sometimes you do things that make your wife mad, and you and your wife don't necessarily agree. So I just want to let you remember that it can get worse. You could be the Conways. <laughs> Earlier this week, we started getting a, a flurry of texts from, of counsel at Wachtell Lipton, George Conway explaining in... In deep, fairly armchair. That's not really fair because all therapists, I guess, sit in chairs. But you get the point. Uh, armchair psychology about how he's diagnosing uh, Trump's mental condition, which resulted in Trump responding with uh, calling him a total loser. loser. Total loser! Yeah, so that's going on. Meanwhile, Kellyanne is still working and writing all of these things, presumably the total loser line. Uh and so we've got this couple who have to find a way to live together despite the fact that they're fighting back and forth. And this morning, George Conway went on a long series of a series of tweets about the – shall we say I – let's just say I, I get the
2: impression he doesn't like Trump very much. So I am of the opinion that this entire Conway kerfuffle is just fake news. I understand that people are – can I, can I can I clarify something uh,
1: just before we get there? Fake news. You mean that in the. In the context of it is something we shouldn't be worried about, but we're we're focused on for no bad reasons.
2: Yes, and and in the context of that, this couple has an actual like that. This is somehow affecting their marriage. I don't believe that for one goddamn second. Because while people might be titillated about the bedroom uh, shenanigans of what happens when your wife's boss is making fun of the husband and did it. People need to understand George Conway is not your friend. George Conway is not a hero. Yes, he is a never trumper. Yes, he has spoken out strongly and eloquently about the dangers that Donald Trump himself the person presents to the country. But make no mistake. Kellyanne Conway's political aims and George Conway's legal aims are working in perfect concert. Mm-hmm. The policies that jump that Trump pushes upon the rest of us, that Kellyanne Conway helps him push upon the rest of us, are exactly the kind of policies that George Conway also pushes on us through his preferred method of – Changing the nature of the federal courts and the Supreme Court. George Conway was in the tank for Neil Gorsuch. He was in the tank for Brett Kavanaugh. And if Ruth Bader Ginsburg dies, George Conway is going to show up in the tank for Amy Coney Barrett. All right. So these kinds of conservative justices who do nothing but kind of rubber stamp, he hopes, Trump's policies are why George Conway is here. All right. The conflict between potentially Kellyanne Conway and George Conway is not one of substance; it's just one of style. George Conway would rather his Republicans be a little less overtly racist, right? George Conway misses the dog whistle; he doesn't care the policies he's there for.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's right. I have a different take in a second, but uh, just to go off on that one, I, I do think there's something to be said there. I, but there are, there is a. And there's a some level to which you have to admire it. Uh, there are electoral realities that we've talked about in this show before, particularly in that Avenatti episode. There are electoral realities and there are multiple ways of getting majorities in some of those states. And one of the ways that the Donald Trump, Campaign decided to go with uh, a campaign that uh, she was the campaign manager of. Decided to go with was overt racism. That is a way to win those states if you want to go that route. And on some level, it's admirable that George seems to want a Republican Party that does a lot of bad things for various people. But he he likes that second level bad thing, that thing that he can justify in his head. That no, no, no. it's not that I'm against black people. I just affirmative action, just put put everyone on the same equal basis. He's that kind of guy. He's not down for the overt racism, which is on one hand naive, on the other hand, not enough to make him your friend for all the reasons you said. But there's a small part of at least kind of admirableness to somebody who can look in the eye the possibility of all their dreams coming true and being realized and say – yeah, but I'm not comfortable with that, which, you know, is kind of what's going on here.
2: Is it? What has Conway given up?
1: I mean, Conway's position is he would like a world in which this was not the nominee. What I think he's wrong about is he thinks that a nominee that he would like would win. I do not think that will be true. Did I think he,
2: Did he vote for Hillary Clinton? Is George Conway going to come out in favor of the Democratic nominee?
1: I mean, he's I, whether he comes in favor of, he's not going to be for this person. But that's also completely beside the point the point is his vision of a party is one that is not overtly racist that they are just quite you know they pursue policies that have racist impacts but they have in their own head twisted heads intellectual reasons they think those aren't racist they are wrong but those are things that they think but the overt baiting the sort of stuff that kellyanne and donald trump did I think is probably the only way for a candidate to be nationwide election successful within the Republican Party. He does not think that's the way they should go as a party and that's something to at least give them credit for.
2: You're just saying you're, you're, all, all that is is saying, you know, I don't think we should kill babies. I want a nice baby steak every now and again. I just don't think we should kill them. How do you think the baby ends up on your plate?
1: Yeah, and once again, you've managed to not only conflate things but then create weird hyperbolic analogies that make no sense uh it's not at all that sort of situation it's very much a situation of just there are people who have differing opinions on where things should go you i mean we've talked to them there are committed conservative folks who legitimately don't think that the policies they push for have the negative impacts they do they may be incorrect about that but they are not evil about that whereas there are also ones that you meet who are overtly evil about it like i've talked like the people that you've interacted with over our lives we've known several who are actively bad actors whereas we've also known some who just are completely out to lunch on certain things
2: i think he's the latter but i think but see, where i disagree and where i where, where i guess i would probably disagree with myself from 10 years ago is the level of complicity those people that you're saying oh, yeah. um, have. Complicit, and what we've, sure. what we've seen and what George Conway is a part of is exactly the kind of structure that has allowed a person like Donald Trump to exist in the first place. Oh, sure. Now that yeah. Donald Trump does exist, he doesn't like what he sees. Now yeah. now that Donald Trump is showing – is basically holding up a mirror and showing these people what they are, they don't like what they see, yeah. and so now they're like, oh, this is terrible. But they're not willing to do anything to stop him.
1: Well, I mean – And I- it's
2: because they're not willing to give up on the policies that created him.
1: Well, again, I that that's – yeah, I mean I think we're in the same place. I think that – that's the point, though. Um, a very, very prominent person spending all of their time undermining the administration is a thing. Certainly, there are people doing less. Your complaint makes a lot more sense for the hand wringing Ben Sasses of the world than it does for a George Conway type, because the former is somebody who will tisk, tisk, and then vote for everything, and say, I'm voting for it because it's the right thing to do. This guy's just throwing bombs all over the place about this guy is unfit for office. That's a very different discussion.
2: And, uh, and until until another judgeship is open, at which point Conway will toes the frickin' line. I mean, yes, he still wants the judges
1: that he wants, but that's, that's a dis... Again, there's a bunch of factors here. One is he's on a different philosophical plane than we are. That's true, and that's not changing. The question is how far... It's the untouchables' question: What are you prepared to do? He is not prepared to go that next step. And the fact that somebody like that is vocal is useful to the extent that it portends and reaches out to other people who may be those defectors going forward. Who and
2: all voted for Trump the first time, and will most likely all vote for him again. Well, if if that were
1: true, which I don't, which no polling seems to suggest, uh, if that were true, then so be it. But then this was all completely meaningless. But I don't think that's true. I see no scenario in which that's likely. Whether or not his vote matters, given that he lives in an area of the country that will not matter one way or the other, and that's a more of an electoral college question is another thing. But yeah, like, his discomfort that he is public with is something that instead of completely writing off, should be something worth noting and worth exploiting. That's where a canning person would say, if there are people within that situation who have these feelings already, that can be played upon. There's other people who are feeling those things. That is something that can be exploited, whether it's exploited to get those people to vote or to get those people to not vote. Those are the kinds of fissures that you look for. And somebody willing to undermine his wife's campaign by making clear that those fissures exist even within the same household is a valuable thing so
2: much credit for undermining all he's doing is throwing some bombs on twitter and writing some what the hell do we do
1: like that's the thing that's all we do and we think what we do has some value so let's go ahead i
2: don't know that i agree with that yeah Um, well
1: (laughs) um by the way the false modesty meter that you're hearing right now is a sound effect that is no no it's uh Ellie, who believes he's literally the most important person I in the world, do
2: not. I do not. I do not think that what I do is particularly important. Mm. A person like George Conway is in a position to do a lot, a lot more than me, and all he does is what I do.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, but more people read it. So the point is, <laughs> but that wasn't really what we were trying to get at here. Um, the issue of how they operate and can can deal with disagreement, I find fascinating from a legal perspective, as I find that disagreement is something that I find difficult to maintain amongst lawyers. I feel like there is a drive even amongst the the stereotype of litigators who always want to fight. I don't think it's necessarily true. I think there is a drive to get to certain core set of facts and then quibble over the interpretation. But I think there's a drive amongst all lawyers. Transactional, it's always about making a deal. Litigation even, I think it's about reaching a set of disputed facts that you can then work off of. So I think it's got to be weird and incredibly difficult for somebody to live in a situation where you have fundamental disagreements at that level, where you cannot even agree on the mental fitness of the person you're standing for. Uh, That strikes me as something that's got to be in their heads. Uh, And that's Partially gets to when I say fake news about this kerfuffle, I mean it very differently. I think I'm going to go ahead and say I'm a Conway truther. I do not think there's a gap between them. I think whether, whatever it is, I think that they're on the same page. I think she's the source of leaks for him that he then tweets about. I think that she's keeping options open by having a second front within her own house. Oh, yeah, I'm. Yeah. I'm on the conspiracy train.
2: You're one of these guys. Yeah, no, yeah, because so, I'm the one saying that there is no disagreement between them. I'm saying that's because they both fundamentally like what the motherfucker does. Right. You're saying, oh no, this is like her old, this is her deep way of keeping. Yeah, I, I, she I, wants I, to be employable, and this is how she's going to keep doing it. Yeah, you're trying to Trump. write
1: off the disagreement by creating some like wild conflation to get to some root causes. I'm actually saying like there is a. Straight active up conspiracy. Active, uh, active agreement between them uh, to keep this going. I think that, yeah.
2: I don't think it's that hard to disagree with your wife about fundamental things. I do it all the time. And what my wife and I right, generally do with Right, but your wife's right all the time. Is, no,
1: not all the time. And we it have, always gets to the point where she ends up being right. I, I mean, I've seen it in
2: action. Th- this is this is a hard week for me to make this argument because of the house fire. But, you know, for the most part, it's a battle of forms. I mean, that's how mm-hmm. that's how the my wife is also lawyer, and that's how we handle it, right? Like right. If we, have a, if we have a disagreement, it's a battle of forms. And basically whoever fills out the form first... Mm. Gets to you know my I, I don't want to say it on air but you know my child's name was not the consensus name
1: no it wasn't it was a shock
2: no sh- somebody somebody um was under um duress after giving birth to our child and somebody else was given the birth certificate form so
1: so right so yeah it, it was a battle <laughs> of forms now I I I would like to encourage any law students who heard that hypothetical to muse whether or not somebody in that situation was. Taken advantage of in a way where that makes that form not actually valid. But by all means, go on.
2: So yeah, I mean I, I think look, lawyers disagree, lawyers that are married to each other disagree all the time. And I feel like it's fairly I feel like lawyers who disagree all the time actually have at least a language with which to kind of meet out those disagreements within the context of their marriage. I feel like it's the I feel like it's the poor saps who don't have any legal training that when they fight, they think they're fighting for real. You know, like mm-hmm. lawyer, lawyer couples understand that some of this fight is just for show. Mm-hmm. There are arguments that I win or my wife win. Not not on the merits. Just, just on you know, jurisdictional questions. Yeah. Standing, yeah. you know, like that can actually like that can when, when we're let's say, you know, uh, it's a birthday party situation and we disagree about how the parenting should have happened during the birthday party. Well, if somebody was at the birthday party and somebody wasn't. Then the person who was at the birthday party has standing and that like that short circuits the entire well, argument.
1: Well, I don't know about I you yeah, okay, I, I wouldn't have gone with a standing thing. I would have gone more with an appellate review issue. Like it is not de novo. Like <laughs> there has to be clear error if you sat at home right. for you to criticize.
2: Exactly. Like you you do have to get The person who was at the birthday party deserves the widest deference. <laughs> right. <laughs> Right, no, no, Uh,
1: no. I, I like, I like where this is going. We, that's actually something we should work on: is a handbook of legal legal doctrines, (laughs) how they can help you in your marriage. marriage. Yeah, no. uh, So, so, yeah, I'm, I'm already thinking about latches. Um, (laughs) Can we talk about Mueller? Yeah, sure. He's a, he's a guy. There is a
2: chance that by the time this episode airs, the Mueller report is out.
1: That is a sentence that we could have said for any of the last sixty episodes of the show. (laughs) But by all means, <laughs> tell me why. Do,
2: do you think – well, okay. So the thing that really – look, the media has been for, as you say, for at least – for and, and really, especially in the last three or four months, the media has been constantly telling us the Mueller report is coming, the Mueller report is coming, the Mueller report is coming. I have been reluctant to believe that because I have the belief that the Mueller report – Cannot end until Donald Trump Jr. is either interviewed or indicted. I do not see how you delve into an investigation of the Trump campaign and Russian collusion without interviewing Donald Trump Jr. Unless he is the target, at which point you need to indict him. Mm -hmm. However, the media seems very convinced that it's coming soon. Multiple prosecutors in Mueller's office have left. They're, They're leaving. He's clearly staffing down. There is a new attorney general, a new sheriff in charge, if you will, Bill Barr, uh, uh, who might be putting some pressure to wrap things up. We know that Mueller does not want to release his report in a way that will seem to influence the election because we know he is a better human being than James Comey. So the the window... Also an unfair claim, but go ahead. The window feels like we're coming up on the window for when this report could be released. The thing that has kind of finally pushed me over the edge is uh, Neil Katyal, mm-hmm. uh former uh, Solicitor General under President Obama. Yesterday on Twitter, so when we're recording this yesterday, yeah. um, um, the first day of spring on Twitter, just randomly on Twitter did a tweet about five things to keep in mind when you read the Mueller report, which make me think, well, what do you know, Neil? Yeah. Um, So I guess that is a long-winded way of asking, Joe, do you think this is coming actually soon now? Uh, knowing may- full well that it could be out by the time people hear this.
1: Yeah, maybe. But I mean, that's the thing. I, I really feel like the odds have been in that, In as I said, for the last 60 shows, we could have said the same sentence. And I think it's been true for a while. I mean, the first set of prosecutors that Mueller started letting go and transitioning out of the office started happening, what, six, seven months ago? Right. Where key figures were leaving and that was a sign. So I'm not really sure that means a whole lot. A lot of the current speculation is there was a filing in which Mueller's office asked for a delay in another matter because this week is going to be too busy for us. Sure, on the other hand, they got a lot of things going on all the time. So maybe this week is too busy for totally different reasons. I mean, it could easily have happened. I, It's gonna happen one of these days. It's and It's gonna be a clear shot out of the blue whenever it does, uh, because we've been conditioned to think it's coming within the next Twenty minutes for the last several months. So yeah, if it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, I I won't be shocked either.
2: Do you think there will or won't be another round of indictments before he concludes? I'm on team indictment. I still think that when when I read that story about the mm-hmm. the, the office needing more time because they're till April first because they're going to be busy for the rest of March. Like I I think there's got to be another round of indictments coming before the report can be before his work is done.
0: Yeah,
1: I mean I definitely don't think there's a any plan nor would it necessarily be prudent to put out a report prior to issuing all the indictments you feel you can release you know can leverage um because why would you do that like why would you it would it would screw up the whole process if you did something like that so yeah no i i think and that's another reason why i'm not entirely convinced that it's coming i don't know it just seems it seems like something people are hopped up on but i don't i don't i don't know
2: when it comes out, do you think it's going to be clear? Because I, I think the speaking of how people have been conditioned, I mean, people I think have been conditioned to think that there's going to be a smoking gun in there that shows, you know, Donald Trump in the library with a candlestick. And I don't see that at all.
1: No, Paul Manafort's going to be carrying some candlesticks, I think. But I mean, <laughs> yeah, like <laughs> license no, plates. There's not a lot of, I mean, that's the other thing. I think that some of the people who've been criticized as being pro-Russia I don't really think that some of the some of the journalists who are being claimed as pro-Russia folks I don't necessarily think they're pro-Russia but I do think they're they're sounding a note of caution that I find that I kind of buy which is and these are people who follow Russia a lot as journalists and have always been somewhat skeptical of the collusion story and one of the reasons is they're like yeah we cover these people they're not that smart uh it's important to remember that a few years ago we had a spy ring of Russians here in New York that were uh doing like 40s dead drops and had no idea what they were doing and were caught because they went to a coffee store like they're not good at this uh and the issue trump isn't good at anything well sure but the point is that the idea that there's some like grand plan behind everything strikes these people who follow russia closely as a bit far-fetched because russia's kind of a mess Uh, their position is more I'm sure lots of bumbling people tried to do lots of bumbling things, which does not make it necessarily any less of a crime. But the idea that there's a grand assault on democracy that's coordinated from the top, that's like a scary, like that, that's probably not true. And I think there's, there's probably a lot to that. Uh, So to that extent, yeah, I think what we're going to find is that people like Manafort took advantage of influence peddling to try and get deals I think there might be some other people who did the same. I think we're going to end up thinking that that famous infamous meeting uh, about the Magnitsky Act is going to be one of those situations, not necessarily coordinated, but a situation where some bumbling actor caught a bunch of other bumbling actors trying to do something that was supposedly going to impact the election. Those things are still crimes. I don't think that they rise to this kind of chaos level of Spectre, I guess. Actually, no, chaos is good. That's the bad guys from Get Smart. Chaos (laughs) level is actually more accurate. Uh, Some, like, bumbling attempts to do some things, I think. And those are crimes. But the fascination with this report is though it's going to be like, and that's when, in 1987, he became the Manchurian candidate for Moscow. Like, that's not going to be the case.
2: I've always been more excited about the parts of the investigation that Mueller has already farmed out to SDNY. Oh, yeah. SDNY is where all Trump's money is, and so I always think that is that is um, puts Trump in more legal jeopardy than anything Mueller can do. Mm, I do I do honestly think that the thing that I will be reading from that report is what do we know about the Trump family? How implicated are Don Jr. and Eric and Ivanka? Um, I think Tiffany's in the clear for the most part. Yeah, no, we're, um, we're team Tiffany here. Um, yeah, yeah. And if there's going to be any kind of legal criminal liability for his family members, Mm -hmm. like if somebody, because we know that Trump doesn't like email, he doesn't like, he doesn't, he only puts stuff on Twitter, he doesn't take a lot of notes, we know he doesn't read, I don't think that you're going to have Trump... Again, I don't think you're gonna have enough evidence that Trump was directing it. And it's also based on, you know, any kind of mob book you've read. Like, you know, people like Trump don't trust anybody except their own family. And there's been tons of reporting that many people believe that Don Jr. was always the weakest link in that family. If you listened closely to Michael Cohen's testimony in front of Congress, he said that one of the reasons why he was brought into the Trump organization at all 10 years ago was. Was to clean up Don Jr.'s messes.
0: <laughs>
2: I felt like
1: that was the necessary one for that. Go on.
2: I feel like if there was a point person for the efforts, including with Russia and having a conspiracy with Russia to change the election or to influence the election. Don Jr. was somewhere bumbling fuck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. At the heart, that's right.
1: It. Yeah, that's fair. It certainly was supposedly the person who was in that Magnitsky meeting. The Magnitsky meeting is the term for the Magnitsky Act, which was what the person was trying to get overturned, whatever. Point is, your are non Non-lawyers calling the meeting
2: the Trump Tower meeting.
1: Yeah, yeah, sure, sure. So anyway, so that's happened. So yeah, maybe it'll happen. Maybe it won't, you know. Assuming it doesn't happen, uh, I think we can safely say that next week we'll record a show where we start getting some of the great decision emails that we've been getting from folks. So keep those coming, people. Uh, We've got a bunch. We'll start with the first round of them next week, assuming, you know, the world doesn't collapse between now and then, which, you know, I think we determined is a 50-50 shot. But otherwise, we'll get to the first round of them. Keep them coming. Uh, That is to send to tips at com Your questions. If you're like, I've got a partial scholarship to this good school, but I've got a full to this slightly less good school, what should I do? We'll just give you our take and uh, take it for whatever it's worth. So there you go.
2: Absolutely. Assuming I don't light myself on fire.
1: That's true. There's always that risk. So... On that note, I'm going to try and get out of the office, as long as you're still here. Um, So with that said, uh, we are going to go. You should be following Above the Law, Uh, as always. You should be subscribed to this podcast. You should be giving it reviews, following me at Joseph Patrice, him at LENYC, both on Twitter, Uh, listening to the Legal Talk Network's round of shows, listening to the Jabot, uh, which is Catherine Rubino's podcast, and Book of Business, which David Lat hosts from time to time. And you should be absolutely checking out Smith AI, our sponsors for this show. And with all of that, I now think that we're done. So talk to you later. Peace.
0: If you'd like more information about what you've heard today, please visit LegalTalkNetwork.com. You can also find us at AboveTheLaw.com, ATLRedline.com, iTunes, RSS, Twitter, and Facebook.